Well, I don't know about you, but the first thing I thought when I saw that video was how much better looking I am than the rest of our church staff. <laughs> it was striking. I had to watch it again to actually get the message, but uh, uh, it, was a, it was a wonderful opportunity for us as a church staff to share just a little bit about the things that make us unique as a congregation. Now, when we talk about core values, we're talking about those things that make a congregation who it is. Throughout our city, there are many churches this morning that are worshiping together and they're going to worship the Savior in much the same way that we have worshiped the Savior. They're gonna preach the Bible. They're gonna try and seek to build one another up in the faith. And all of these things are part of what a church does and who a church is. But the way God puts a church together makes churches feel a little bit different. Uh, they, can, they can hold to the same truths, they can engage in the same ministries and, and both be equally faithful to the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, but there can be, could be a, a slight difference of the way the congregations feel when you are among them. Uh, that's a little bit subjective, but that's the way God puts churches together. He brings together people to build a congregation into the kind of church that he wants it to be. He brings the staff and the members who have certain gifts and personalities and perspectives together in order to make the body of Christ. I mentioned in the video, people will often ask me what I love about our church. And as I mentioned in the video, I come back to these four truths over and over again. Truth, worship, community, and missions. Now we don't do any of these perfectly. And we're always trying to do better and better for the glory of God in each one of them. But I think these four values give a beautiful representation of who God has made us. And when we think about that, it becomes important in this, for this reason. When you think about where you're going to invest your money, where you're going to invest your time, what kinds of ministries the church is going to engage in, you want to minister from a position of strength. You want to look at your strengths. Now, every church wants to improve in areas where they're not quite as strong. But if you're not careful, you spend all of your energy, all of your time, all of your money in areas of ministry where you are not um, gifted congregationally. And so as we sat down as a, as a church staff and we began to pray about the year and to think about the calendar and the kinds of things we wanted to invest in congregationally, we thought we need to do the things that God has made us strong in, where we're passionate and where we have robust faith in a particular area. Core values are a church's DNA. It's who we are. Now, if you're a guest with us, there's a very good chance this morning that you received a, a set of cards. And if you didn't, uh, they're available in each lobby. Now, it's very likely if you're a member, you've never seen these cards, you've never read these cards because we intentionally give them out to visitors to introduce who we are as a congregation. A significant part of these cards is to lay out our core values. So someone that is visiting will know, okay, this is what this church is about. 
And if they go to our church budget, they can see that who we are determines how we spend our money congregationally. They can go to our church calendar and they can see that based upon the gifts that God has given us, the abilities that we have congregationally, the things that motivate us as a church body, that's where we invest our time. Uh, But what I want to do this morning on this particular Sunday is to take you as a congregation, our congregation, and any guests that are here, we're very glad to have you, and uh, and allow you to be reminded of who we are as a church. And as I work our way through our core values, I'm going to read to you what we have on these cards about truth, worship, community, and missions. And then to explain to you how each one of those various core values works its way out into the life of our church. For some of you, it's gonna be a reminder. You're gonna be reminded of why we do certain things the way that we do them and why we do certain things when we do them and how we do certain things. For others, it may just be very new to you. You may be new to our congregation. We had 109 new members this past year. Over 30% of those were by baptism. And so maybe you haven't been with us long enough for this to get ingrained into into who you are. Uh, But what we want to do this morning is we want to talk about who we are as a church and how this influences what we do. You know, we we value truth. Uh, Dr. Eliff brought that out in the video. Uh, Jesus prayed in the upper room in John 17, 17, Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. And as I work our way through these various core values, you'll see that there are scripture passages, numerous scripture passages that are, that are bolstering each one of these core values because truth is our foundational core value. What we believe, we believe because we find it in the Bible. We believe the Bible to be the word of God. We believe the Bible to be truth without any mixture of error. We believe the Bible should inform us about the way that we should view culture and we shouldn't allow culture to inform us about how we view the Bible. For example, today is Sanctity of Life Sunday. We believe that every child conceived in a mother's womb is precious to God and is a person. That's why we don't let culture tell us what the Bible says about the sanctity of human life. We hold to a position that we do based upon the Bible. And so it begins and informs every area of our lives. Uh, This is what it says on the card, and I'll let you follow along as I read it. In a world of shifting allegiances and faulty foundations, we seek to stand firmly upon the truth revealed in the Bible. The Bible provides for us the only reliable guide for life, revealing to us the person and work of our triune God, the way of salvation and our duty to God. We believe that the Bible is the word of God, completely true without mixture of error. We are not searching for the words of God within the Bible. It is in its entirety, the word of God. Because God has spoken, we are accountable to him. 
Therefore, everything we believe and do as a church is informed and instructed by the Bible. Everything we teach is rooted in the Bible. We are a Bible church. This church is over 100 years old. This church's reputation for all of its 100 years of service to this community has been that this is a church firmly committed to the Bible as the Word of God. That's why when we preach, our sermons are Bible-based. Our Bible fellowship groups, the very first word in Bible fellowship group is Bible. We are a Bible-believing church. Now, there are so many people, literally hundreds of people in this church that, that, we, could, that we could point to, and we would say, exemplify the reality of this value. I want to introduce you to one person. Many of you may not know this person, though he's becoming more and more well-known because he's a rather gregarious guy, and that's Kevin Ferris. Kevin Ferris has been a member of our church for a couple of years now. Kevin came to learn about our church from Philip Brown. Philip regularly will go to a coffee shop, take his Bible, he'll read his Bible there, he'll use it as an opportunity to engage people in conversation. Sometimes he'll witness to them, sometimes he'll counsel with them, sometimes he'll fellowship with them. He met Kevin at one of these, at one of his uh, coffee shop reading sessions. And he got to, to talk to Kevin and got to know Kevin. And Kevin is a born again. He loved the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a hunger and thirst for the word of God. And yet he attended a church where the Bible did not hold a place of preeminence, where the Bible was not the focus of the sermons. And he, he felt there was something within him that wasn't getting the nurture and the stimulation of the word of God that he really wanted. And so Kevin began to attend our church at the invitation of Philip. He fell in love with the, uh, with, the, with the people of this church, the worship of this church. But he would tell you, if he were to describe our church, what drew him to this church was the fact that we preach and teach the Bible. We believe the Bible and the Spirit of God used that in his life to bring him to this congregation. Tonight, it's the last of our Sunday evening uh, services and uh, for a season. And tonight, Kevin, based upon congregational vote, is going to become a deacon in this church. Kevin is a man that, uh, that loves this church. He's engaged in all kinds of ministries related to our church. He is an ambassador for our church. But what drew him to this church was the Spirit of God using the preaching and teaching of God's Word to let him know that he wanted to be in a church where the Bible was the foundation of everything that we do. Well, if you're going to believe the Bible, then you have to believe in worship. And we value worship. The Lord Jesus said this in John chapter 4, verse 23, but an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. I find that so interesting every time I read it that the Father is seeking people like this. People who worship in spirit and in truth. If that's the kind of people he's seeking, that's the kind of people that we want to be. Uh, Colossians chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom 
teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. We as a congregation value worship. And Pastor Craig mentioned that we are a congregation that's known for singing very loudly because we believe that when we gather together congregationally, we've gathered together to worship the Son of God and to hear him speak to us from his word. But congregational worship will never be stronger than private worship. When we say we value worship, we're talking about primarily congregational worship. But the reason congregational worship will either be strong or weak is going to be based on private worship. That is, when the people of God worship throughout the week in their devotions, privately or with their family, they are preparing for game day. They're preparing for, the, for that monumental moment when the music begins and we stand and we begin as a congregation to worship the Son of God. Now, some of us are expressive and some of us are less expressive. It's not a matter of expression or less expression that means that a person is worshiping. But you can't worship God and not sing. And, and congregational worship, as I just mentioned, it begins privately. It begins in your home. Uh, my study is upstairs. I have a window in my study. One day, I'm afraid that people are going to come to our door and say, there's a man upstairs in your house. He's got his hands lifted up. He's talking to himself. We can't hear what he's saying. He looks like he's singing. I think he's out of his mind. And my wife will just say, he's just having his devotions. He's rather rambunctious in his devotions. So you, you, you think I'm expressive now. You should see me in, uh, in, my, uh, in my study when I worship. We value worship. That's why we set aside time in our congregational gathering, significant time, proportionately, to worship. Uh, the, the cards that our visitors read that most of you have never seen say this, the primary purpose of man's existence is to worship. True Christian worship is directed to the Father through the merit of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit. As a congregation, we engage in worship through singing, meditating on the truths of Scripture as presented through readings and the sermon, participating in, in spirit with offered prayers, giving financially during the offering, listening expectantly for ministry opportunities, and serving one another through fellowship and the right practice of spiritual gifts. Our worship should be marked by a passionate love of God and a resolve to glorify him in all we do. And so worship that we, that we experience when we gather together is a special moment in the life of a believer during the week. When the people of God gather together filled with the Spirit of God to worship the Son of God. And that fuels everything that we do so that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, as the Apostle Paul said, we do all to the glory of God. We may come in on a Sunday morning and feel weak and anemic. We've been battered and beaten by the world. We've, we've struggled spiritually. But something dynamic by the grace of God and for the glory of God happens when the music begins to play, the people of God begin to sing. It's as if God gives us an IV, a transfusion maybe, that strengthens us and helps us to overcome 
the defeats of the previous week, the disappointment and the heartache we've experienced and gives us a new and fresh resolve to do all for his glory. Uh, So many people that uh, Pastor Craig could have selected, so many people that love to worship the Lord, hundreds and hundreds in our our congregation. Uh, One that came to his mind was Joe Maupin. You'll recognize Joe. No matter where you are in this church, you see Joe Maupin. He is like the Energizer Bunny. Joe is involved in so many things. He has a big smile on his face. He's encouraging. He's edifying. He's he's uplifting. And and he's very expressive. He's like me in worship. Again, uh, expressiveness in worship isn't a determination of whether you're worshiping or not. You're just giving outward expression sometimes to the personality that, that God has given you. Uh, But Joe is a person that's expressive in worship. His worship doesn't just stay in the confines of of the worship center. He directs a Bible fellowship group. He oversees the offering in the 9 a.m. service. He is singing, he sings in the choir. Joe Maupin is a blessing to our congregation, just as Kevin Ferris And so Joe Maupin is an example of who we are congregationally. He's one face among many that love to worship Jesus Christ. We believe and value worship. We also value community. One way that we show that we value community is we have a pastor of community life. Ryan Morris. Ryan is not only our children's pastor, but he is also our community pastor. Community means very much to the people of God. This is what Jesus had to say in John 13. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. And so it was not a new commandment as if in the Old Testament, God never told his people to love one another. What made it radically new, however, what gave it an entirely fresh perspective was that we are to love one another as Jesus has loved us. So we serve one another, we pray for one another, we care for one another because Jesus is glorified when his people live in community. It's, it's ingrained into the fabric of what a church is to be. It's, it's in all of the descriptions of the church in the New Testament. For example, the church is the body of Christ. If you were to sever a finger and set it off to the side, that finger is no longer vitally connected to the body. It's still a finger, but it's not vitally connected to the body. It's not receiving the, the life-giving blood flow from the body. It's a part of the body, but it's not a part of the body. That's the way that it is in Western Christianity. Western Christianity is characterized by a casualness about church involvement and church engagement. If if people were as faithful to their job as they sometimes are to the local church, they wouldn't have a job. Not, a, not exactly a one-for-one correspondence, is it? But we have, a, we, have a supervisor. we have a supervisor on the job, but the supervisor we have in the church is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the head 
of the body. And so community is vitally important to us congregationally. It's important to us because it's important to you. And it's a core value, what makes it a part of our DNA. It's not because it's something that we're wanting, something that we're striving after. It's something that already exists. Now, could we do better? We could always do better in every one of these areas, be it truth, worship, community, or missions. But a value, a core value is who you are, not who you want to be. If you're a visitor today and you're reading that card, uh, this is what it says about community. Uh, This transformational love of Jesus provides the contours of biblical community. The God whom we worship is triune, existing eternally as a community of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. As those who are made in his image, human flourishing requires us to live in communities of love and care. The authentic community fostered at 9th and O is a radical call to intentional relational investment in a culture of mere attendance and casual involvement. As a church family, we seek together to experience more deeply the joys, sorrows, and all realities of life in gospel-centered community. So we call our Bible fellowship groups, Bible fellowship groups for a purpose. First, they're Bible. That is, the Bible stands at the center. We gather together to teach and study the Bible. But they're not merely study groups. We call them Bible fellowship groups because as a small community within the life of our church, you pray for one another. You get to know one another. You you go out to eat with one another. You minister to one another. You rebuke one another. You serve one another. You help one another. So fellowship is intricately involved in our Bible fellowship groups. Tonight, we're going to have a building community night, a BCN. We've got an acronym for virtually everything, it seems, BCN, Building Community Night. And these aren't just casual church fellowships where we just think, well, we'll just serve, uh, I don't know that we're having what we're having tonight, but it's maybe hot dogs, whatever it is, it's not going to probably be hot dogs, but it's not, like, it's not a casual thing that we just throw out there. That as we strategically think about these as opportunities for our congregation to engage in intergenerational interaction. See, our Bible fellowship groups are primarily age-graded for a purpose, because people assimilate and connect most quickly with people that are in the same life setting that they are. So if you were in a Bible fellowship group with me, you'd have been getting ready to go to bed at 8.30 last night. We go to bed early. We're getting, I'm getting old. Jaylen is still energetic. She, she'll trudge off to bed with me. But people that are in their 20s, they're just getting ready to go out to drink a gallon of coffee and stay up till two in the morning. Well, I've gotten a good night's sleep already by then. But we could be, if we're not careful, siloed generationally if we didn't intentionally find ways to engage across generational 
lines. We could say we're an intergenerational church because we've got young people and we've got elderly people. But that doesn't make a church intergenerational. It just means that they're all in the same building together at the same time. And so tonight is an opportunity for people who don't know one another uh, to, have an, to have a relaxed atmosphere after our worship service to get to know one another. You may not know Joe Moppin. You may not know Kevin Ferris. There, there were 109 new members to our congregation, as I mentioned, this past year. Maybe you don't know all 109, but you'll see some of them here tonight. And so you look for the opportunities to get to know someone younger, someone older. And so the building community nights are because we value community and we want to foster community. Our equip classes, which will begin not this coming Wednesday night, but the following Wednesday night. There are discipleship groups you can sign up for. Those discipleship groups can be intergenerational. You may go to the Bible study that Dr. Betts will be teaching on the Psalms. You may be in your 20s, and if you want to, you can sit next to someone in their 80s. You may go to the class uh, that Dan Cable and Alex Constantino are teaching on how we're to evaluate what's going on in our culture. I think it's called Batman and, uh, and the Bible. And so I wasn't exactly sure what that meant. Uh, I thought maybe I'd been gone to sleep at the wheel for just a moment. And then after finding a little bit about, uh, about it, you know, what do we think about the movies that, we, that, are, that are being shown? What about the television shows? What about the books that everybody's reading? Is there a Christian perspective that we should have as we read and study and look at these things that should inform us as to how to evaluate them. Well, Dan and Alex are going to, to do that. But I say that for this reason. There will be people in there in their 20s and there will be people in there in, in virtually every age category. You may never see them on Sundays because you're in different services. You run in different circles. But there you are in the same room for one hour every Wednesday night for the next six weeks. And you get there and you get the opportunity to know someone you don't know. And by the glory of God, uh, by the grace of God, for the glory of God, God is honored as that becomes a relationship. I mean, there's so many people that believe this. That's why it's a core value. It's not something that we're working toward. It's an expression of who we are. Now, could we do it better? Absolutely. There are things we could always do better, individually and congregationally. Uh, let me introduce you to Sarah McIntosh. If you see Sarah walking down the hallways, you maybe actually see Rebecca walking down the hallway, her twin sister. <laughs> if you see one serving here, it may be there. They sat behind us in Israel. So Jalen and I are sitting there, and then behind us are, are Sarah and Rebecca McIntosh. And, and Jalen would usually lean over because you know my, my vision anyway. She'd say, uh, Sarah has the hat on today. Oh man, that was perfect for me, perfect. I really, I really like that. And then sometimes along the way, they change it and one other one be wearing the hat and it messes me, it messes with my mind. But they're both so wonderful. Sarah, uh, Sarah intentionally gets to know people outside her circle of friends, outside her generation of peers. She serves in our building community team 
you've been out there enjoying popcorn or this summer or during the uh, during our building community nights or eating pie and uh, see someone serving the ice cream when we when we gather together she's going to be right in the right in the middle of it because she believes in the value of of community she communi- she participates in mission trips she is a magnificent example of the kind of person we're wanting to be congregationally in the area of community. So when you, when you see her, take the opportunity to say, are you Sarah or Rebecca? <laughs> Jaylen helps me this way. Sarah has the shorter hair than Rebecca, but Sarah told me recently she's letting her hair grow out for a reason. And so nevertheless, they're beautiful, wonderful, integral people in our, in our church. That's, that's Sarah. We also value missions. You know, the first three are internal. And if we're not careful, our entire spiritual life is about us. Do I like the teaching? Do I like the singing? Do I like this? Do I like that? It becomes, it becomes nothing more than just a shopping spree when people go to churches. But when you join a church, you, you join the church that is, and then by God's grace, you seek to, to help that church and to conform to that church. So there's two things going on. You're becoming a part of that church. You're embracing the things of that church that are important to that church. And at the same time, you're bringing your gifts and personality to us. But most of us think of churches, what do I get out of it? So truth, worship, community, that could all be done in the confines of this building and that would be displeasing to God. Because Luke 19, 10 says Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. If that's why he came, it should be high on our agenda. And so something over the last several years we've been working on as a congregation and we're making headway and we're moving, moving forward, but we're not where we want to be, but we're not where we were. And that is in personal evangelism. We don't have personal evangelism as a core value because it is not integral to our DNA. That is where we are strong. It's an area we're trying to become strong in. It's an area where we're trying to grow. Core values are are intended to exemplify who you are and we are strong in missions. We're a congregation that believes in missions. Uh, Listen to what you would find on the visitor card. Jesus came to earth on a mission to redeem and restore humanity and renew the cosmos. Through his death and resurrection, Jesus has perfectly accomplished his salvific work. And we believe and affirm that God has given his people, the church, the mission of bearing witness to his salvation among all peoples of the earth. Continuing Jesus' ministry of reconciliation and justice, even while not being conformed to the pattern of the world. Rooted in the truth, we worshipfully work together to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ among all peoples. In the last 27 months, we've had 103 people go on mission trips in our church. Of those 103 people, 20 of them went on 
two or more mission trips during that time. Since 2010, our church has given over $1.6 million to missions through our Great Commission offering and the cooperative program. Now, if we had kept most of that money, we could pay off our church debt and we wouldn't find ourselves with significant space problems on Wednesday night, which we genuinely have. Uh, Coming in here, starting in a week from this coming Wednesday, every single room in this building will be full. The sanctuary is gonna have to be used. We, we, are, we are in tight quarters on Wednesday nights. But you wouldn't put up with that, nor would I. Because to spend our money on ourselves would be a disservice to what we believe about the value of missions. And so 1.6 million is a lot of money to invest, but we invest it because we believe it's the right thing to do. We have been, for the last five years, each year in the top 2% of churches in the Southern Baptist Convention. So they they say there's somewhere in the neighborhood of 40,000 churches. I find that highly unlikely, but that's what we say. 40,000 Southern Baptist churches. We're in the top 2% in giving to the Lottie Moon Christmas offering and the Annie Armstrong Easter offering. Now, that's in per capita giving. So in per capita giving, we're in the top 2%. You may not know, well, Pastor, what's the Lottie Moon Christmas offering? Well, the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, it's a part of our Great Commission offering, and it goes to support international missionaries of the Southern Baptist Convention. We're in the top 2% of churches of the 40,000 per capita giving. Annie Armstrong, the Annie Armstrong Easter offering goes to church planters through the North American Mission Board and helping support them. Again, top 2% the last five years in a row, consecutive years in giving to those two. We give to both of them through our Great Commission offering. Our Great Commission offering last year was $96,000, not counting the money that we gave directly to the cooperative program out of our, out of our budgetary receipts, uh, a percentage of. And so when we give to the Great Commission offering, we are, we're investing in ministries that are important to us as a church. International missions, local missions, uh, national missions, because we believe missions is important. And what's important to a person is demonstrated by where they spend their time and how they spend their money. What do they give their time to? Where do they invest their money? So we've had uh, a significant number of people go on mission trips. We're gonna have a great number this year. Uh, Let me just mention another ministry, Reaching and Teaching Ministries. Reaching and Teaching Ministries is one of the ministries that we, that we partner with. And since 2004, at the inception of that ministry, we have sent 25 short-term mission uh, groups to Ethiopia, or not to Ethiopia, but to Argentina and to Ecuador. To Argentina and Ecuador. What those mission trips do is they go there and train pastors and do vacation Bible school for children. And so we've had seminary students, boys college students, and laymen 
who love the Bible and who will know much more about the Bible than the pastors in the countries that we're going to, Ecuador and Argentina. And they'll teach the pastors how to read the Bible, what's in the New Testament, how to prepare a sermon, how to pray for your congregation, how to organize for evangelistic outreach, all at the same time, vacation Bible school taking place for the children in the area. Two trips this year, one to Ecuador, the other to, uh, to Argentina. And so we are a church committed to, to missions. Uh, who exemplifies this? Well, so many. Because it's a core value. And what makes it a core value is we believe it congregationally. Because we believe it congregationally, we involve ourselves in it financially. We involve ourselves in it in prayer. We involve ourselves in it by participating. Uh, one person I'd like to introduce you to this morning is Lori Taylor. Many of you probably know Lori. Three beautiful daughters. Her mom and dad very actively involved in the life of our church. Lori is a, a single mom. It'd be easy for a single mom to sit on the sidelines. It'd be easy for a single mom with three teenage girls to make a, this a parenthesis in my life. My life will, uh, will not involve significant church involvement or engagement, but that's not the kind of person that Lori is. Lori has been on a mission trip to Ethiopia. Lori has been involved in the planning and the execution, executing of our mission Sundays. Uh, Lori has, has been the mission leader in her BFG. That is, most of our BFGs are connected to a missionary serving on the field, either uh, in a church planting situation here in the United States or in a international mission setting, and they, they engage them with prayer and encouragement and support and, and, uh, and just in so many different ways. And, and Lori has been uh, in, her, in her BFG, a person that's been a point person for all of that. Our missions hallway. So if you, if you come in and out over here, you probably don't even know that we have a missions hallway over here for two years. Lori and her girls took responsibility and leadership in making sure that it was, that it was uh, informative and kept up to date and, and changed on a regular basis. Uh, what a wonderful and beautiful person it is to have someone that loves missions like that as a part of our congregation. And so that's who we are. We're a congregation that values missions. Well, let me give you just a, a couple of final thoughts. So what do, we, what do you do with all of this? Well, maybe you're a, a guest with us today. Thank you for being here. Uh, in most Sundays, we're, we're opening the Bible, we're digging into the Bible, we're working through passages of the Bible verse by verse. But, but every year, I think it's very helpful for our guests, but also for us as a congregation to be reminded of who we are and where we're headed. Otherwise, one week looks like the next week, looks like the next week, looks like the next week. And, and we don't realize that there is a plan, there's a strategy, there's a cohesiveness to what we do. And so you're, we're very pleased to have you with us today. It may be, Pastor, you've, I found this intriguing. I'd like to know a little bit more about the church. Well, we've got our first step class coming up. 
Yeah, you can find about, out about it on the website. You can find out about it in the, in the bulletin. Our first step class is led by our executive pastor, Dr. Jeff Eliff, and, he, and he'll dig into more detail about what we believe theologically as a congregation and, and uh, many of our congregational practices, why we do things the way we do beyond what I've talked about this morning. Maybe, maybe you would decide... I don't know if I'd like this church enough to, to, to buy into everything, but maybe you would like to know a little bit more about us. And so First Step meets, I, I believe, next Sunday. If, if that's not enticing enough, we'll also give you something to eat if you come to it as well. So don't worry about eating breakfast. Uh, save yourself a couple of bucks and come on in and, and go to the First Step class. Uh, but I think it's also good for us to know congregationally, to be encouraged. These are things we do well. We don't do them perfectly. We'll never do them perfectly. Can we do them better? Of course we can do them better. We're gonna to try to get better and better and do them uh, more effectively for the glory of God. Uh, but we ought to be encouraged. This is in essence who we are and what makes us in part Ninth and O Baptist Church. Maybe as we've been talking about this, you could see, hey, there's an, there's an area where I, I could really do better in 2020. Uh, maybe it's grow in your faith and the truth. And so you'll come to equip and get involved in a small discipleship group or go to one of the classes. Uh, maybe you find yourself coming to worship and, and regularly you've gotten into the habit of not singing quite as you ought. And so you just say to yourself, I'm gonna become a singer, and you begin to sing. Maybe you haven't found yourself here often on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights. You'd like to get to know somebody younger or older, somebody that's uh, from a different part of the congregation. And so maybe you would get involved in the, in the building community nights or in, in uh, one of the opportunities for congregational uh, investment. Or maybe this would be the year that you go on a mission trip. Maybe you're a seminary student or a boys college student. You've never been on a mission trip. We'll help scholarship that mission trip for you. And you would go on a reaching and teaching mission trip to teach those who have absolutely no opportunity for theological education. We've got a, we've got a whole slate of mission opportunities. You don't have to be a seminary student. In fact, most of the people that go on our trips are not seminary students or Boris College students. They're average people like you and me who are members of this congregation and we've planted our lives in this congregation and we're gonna stay in this congregation as long as the Lord keeps us in Louisville, Kentucky. And maybe this could be the year that you take a trip. Maybe this is the year you pay for somebody else to take a trip. Uh, maybe you have the resources and the financial capabilities to. To, to say you speak with your spouse or if you're, uh, if you're single, you just say, I, I can't go this year. There's no opportunities. The times just aren't gonna match up for me. So since I'm not going, I'll pay for someone else to go and you speak to, to Blake about paying for someone to go on a trip. Whatever it may be, there's a way for us to be involved in each of these, each of these core values. In just a moment, I'm going to pray and Craig is going to come and we'll conclude our service by singing together, something that we really like to do. But maybe there's something in your heart that you would like to share with someone. Maybe you need to have someone pray for you. 
Maybe you'd just like to say, hey, listen, I'm ready, to, I'm ready to become a part. I'd like to talk to somebody about the process of church membership. Maybe you're struggling with a particular sin and you'd like just to have someone to pray with you that by the grace of God and accountability, you could overcome that sin. We're gonna have people stationed at each of the doors. There'll be couples at each of the doors. There'll be lanyards. They'll easily be able to identify themselves. As we're singing, just slip out and, and go to the door and you can say to them, hey, I, I'd like to talk about membership. I'd like, to, I'd like to have someone pray for me. Whatever your need may be, uh, just speak to them. And then if maybe you feel a little bit uncomfortable during the singing, they'll, they'll be there for a few minutes right after the service and you're free to, to speak to one of them or maybe to one of our to one of our pastors who has the, I've got a lanyard here somewhere. There it is. I've been hiding so I could get off to lunch maybe, but right there you can speak to one of us and uh, we'd be glad to talk to you. So would you stand and let me pray for us. Father in heaven, thank you so very, very much for, who, for whom you are making us. We're not there yet. We will never be there completely in this life, but we're, we're grateful that you're at work in us and that these values are important to us because they're important to you. We pray as we sing this final song together which you would solidify some of what we've heard. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.